Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo, and today, uh, well, it's 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 all, all us gents here. Uh, Chris, Kurt, how you doing? Hey, uh, I'm doing great. I'm great. <laughs> I bring some energy. There you I go. didn't have ten seconds ago, <laughs> and I might not have ten seconds from now. <laughs> oh no! Who's coming up on six ninety five? It's the morning zoo. <laughs> Hawk, um, hawk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah. No, no, we're not. We're not doing that for the rest of the episode. <laughs> not at are all. Are there are there morning zoo podcasts that are literate? Like instead of just doing the joke about it, where they actually are just like a morning, like just like the morning zoo. I I, I assume so. I'm I'm guessing like I I think most of the stations that uh, that would have that type of. Uh, program in the morning are also transmitting like over the internet so uh, i don't know maybe that, I that's how i imagine barstool podcasts are oh god i i've never is this the the brand barstool or what 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 exactly is happening here because i i've only ever heard of them as references when they want to make fun of like i guess sports bro type guys yeah it, it's from it's boston a, like, sports bro you know media f- empire now at this point um with a like decidedly conservative bent it's bizarre yeah it's the, the, you know there's a lot of podcasts uh and media companies that don't really seem to be ab- about anything in particular they're just like a like an ambient brand mm-hmm. and barstools very much seems like that or or like um I, I feel like the first one that I encountered was something like My Brother, My Brother, and Me, where people mm. can't explain what it's about. It's like, oh, well, they're just they're just my internet friends, you know? And, like, I know that they started out being about something, and I assume that Barstool Sports started out being about sports, but now it just seems to be about whatever the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> They've pivoted, is what I what I hear is the, the, the phrasing here. Um, I I have brief. I I listened to about a co- a combined total of maybe ninety seconds of. Um, do you remember that there, there was that that like that like sex podcast that they had? Uh, I think it was called Call Her Daddy. That had some kind of mm. weird drama where like they yes. somehow got really popular, and then one of them like quit and started another podcast with the same name or, yes. or something. <laughs> yeah, that, wait, it, okay, there was this- weird drama yeah okay it's very let confusing. me let me let me let me ask you because i i, I sort of <laughs> lost the thread is this is this a spinoff from barstool or my brother my brother and me uh barstool 
bar stool. Oh, okay. Because my I mean, bar stool, honestly, my bar stool. And me. <laughs> I mean, oh, honestly, no. honestly, like <laughs> either one. I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't being judgmental, but either one sounded equally plausible to me. Well, mm-hmm. Let me put it this way: it, it it had a very sci-fi and fantasy community dynamic in that it was something I had never heard of until all of a sudden everyone was very angry about it, and suddenly <laughs> everyone had known about it for years. And I was like, uh, what? How does everyone have an opinion? How does everyone like have an opinion on this already? I've literally never heard of this. And then a week goes by and you literally never hear of it ever again. So um, that's that. Well, you're you're supposed to feel things in life, Kurt. Okay, this is, feelings. Remember those? <laughs> yes. Remember we used to have feelings. All the time? <laughs> you ever wonder whatever happened to feelings? I don't know why I'm Can still doing this. Can I just get this. a freaking feelings flavored feelings? <laughs> it sounds like uh, it sounds like one of those uh, Doctor Katz episodes that they never got to book. You know, like oh, we finally got uh, Dennis Leary in. He's doing his stand up but it's like from a therapy standpoint oh uh, what would i mean could you imagine like now with all the therapy speak would would dr katz be able to be a rebooted uh, oh that show? would be great yes actually because so here's what you would do with dr katz which is apparently what we're talking about <laughs> yeah <laughs> picnic, but here's what you would do okay here's what you would do the dr katz is exactly the same but all of his patients are like super therapy speak like obsessed with like you know with like whatever <laughs> like like getting, the most recent trend getting is more yeah. and more miffed no no it's, well, the, well, like, that's you're doing my job now exactly exactly yes yes and have and, and them you know explaining to him whatever the most recent you know syndrome is and him going oh okay huh interesting all right you know. <laughs> just making little notes yeah <laughs> suffice uh. to say friends <laughs> It's Podside Picnic, and we're doing a beer run. We're doing a beer run. Uh, we're doing, I mean, we're doing I, the Dr. I, I Katz may. couch run. <laughs> oh, no, Dr. Katz hot couch. Um, it is kind of a hot – you know what? A psychiatrist couch is is kind of a hot couch, you know, when you think about it. You're just missing yeah. the DVD menu music. Yeah, there you go. The the bouncing DVD uh, uh, screensaver. Um, yeah, it's, it's a beer run. Gents uh, – I am I'm drinking a uh, a very delightful Dogfish Head Nordic Spring, which seems mm. appropriate since we're about to get like nice. snow this weekend. Is oh, like, are we? Uh, oh, really? At least here, that's the that's the the. I was gonna say the diagnosis. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> the prediction. <laughs> uh, we're supposed <laughs> to get a little bit of sleet. Um, it's interesting that you say snow. Um, given in in your area, given that uh, my my wife is is driving down to DC on Mm-mm. Saturday and then back on Sunday, so hopefully that does not uh, <laughs> coincide <laughs> with well, that trip. Yes, let's let's hope not. It's it'll make things more complicated. Um, but yeah, anyway, Nordic Spring. Uh, Chris, you got anything tonight? I do. I am drinking a um, beer from a local brewery uh, called Evergreen Brewing. It's the Single Hop Series Part 3 Double IPA with Rewaka Hops. Uh, So it's like a single hop uh, IPA, double IPA, and it's pretty damn tasty. 
They made that hop work twice for two IPAs. Yeah. <laughs> I, missed, I, I, I missed the name of it, uh, Chris. What was it again? Well, it, it's like Single Hop Series Part 3 or or Number oh, 3 nice. with uh, Rewaka hops. Huh. I've never yeah. heard of that type of hop, but I haven't paid any attention to the types of hops in like eight years. And in yeah. that time, apparently they've made 4,000 new ones. It's like, <laughs> it's like Pokemon. <laughs> like I, I come back after like two years away and I'm like, I thought there were only 152. What happened? <laughs> come on, Jack. In my day, <laughs> there's only like yes. one hop. We had to share it. <laughs> um, so I am drinking a Diet Wild Cherry. Uh, and it's uh, made by uh, a brewery called Pepsi, as it mm. turns out. Oh, I see. <laughs> Just trying to figure out what uh, what exactly Pilsner Diet. Mm. No, what, no, what, I what am, is that? I am I am not drinking uh, this evening. I am not drinking this evening. You do not drink uh, wine. <laughs> I, do not, I do not drink <laughs> Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a beer run. Uh, I don't know if you fellas, out, you folks out there, had figured it out yet that we're sort of just you know here to shoot the shit, drink some beers, and I don't know, talk about like shit that we've watched, read, enjoyed, and uh, I don't know, talk about whatever else mm. strikes mm. our fancy. Carlo, what's that? What have you been reading lately that's not pod specific? Not pod and specific. that's good. And that's good. That's yes. good. You can't just talk. You, you you can't just curse us all with with bad <laughs> things like you constantly do in, in the group chat. Look at this. It's terrible. <laughs> Give me the ones that you're holding back because they're too good to share. It's written badly and it's too short. <laughs> um, no, no. Uh, I I recently. Um, decided to get uh, i i'd been eyeing it and and basically i was like wow that's a thousand pages of stories but i, I recently got the uh the complete stories of jg ballard and hmm. just sort Hell of yeah. dipping in uh here and there and you know like i asked for some recommendations on twitter uh yeah i got a nice hefty list already so nice uh just I, I just finished reading one earlier, you know, earlier tonight that uh, was basically just like a woman that is golden skinned and has insects for eyes <laughs> and uh, cool. musical plants. All right. Cool. Like it? Yes. Very odd. <laughs> and, and also like very sort of matter of fact. It's just sort of like it's it's happening. This is this is mm -hmm. no one's like, whoa! How do the how do the bugs in her eyes work? Yeah, as you know, Tom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I've only ever read one J.G. Ballard uh, thing, and it was a short story um, that I read by accident, thinking it was a different story. Um, hmm. But then it was compelling, so I kept I just kept reading it, and I forget I forget what the name of it was, but it was about a woman who hated her husband so much 
that she killed him by like making the leaning tower of Pisa like fall <laughs> like fall on him or or like or like or like it was falling and he had caused it and she like intentionally tried to get him killed or something or something along those lines it was it was it was very compelling and uh while uh, while we continue our conversation, I will look up what it was because um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just, I was tickled I'm just, by it. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm I, I'm I'm charmed by it. Like like this is a whole new version of Clue, you know? It's like <laughs> in the piazza with the Tower of Pizza, you know? <laughs> what can I say? Well, it's 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 funny. Um, you, you know, something something that you don't encounter very much anymore. For good reasons, let's say, but that used to be an entire genre was like, um, like, like speculative fiction stories about about um, men who had an overbearing wife. <laughs> it was like a whole subgenre, um, and there's like some pretty. Fa- I mean, there's a whole bunch of like, uh, like classic films that basically have have that uh, conceit. But what I was thinking of while talking about the J.G. Ballard story is a short story. From 1939 by James Thurber called The Unicorn in the Garden. Okay. Are you familiar with this? I I, I think I've heard the the title, but I don't I, I, No, I don't think I've ever read it's, it. Yeah. It's about like, it's about like, like this kind of husband with like an overbearing wife, you know, like cl- classical, like, you know, w- weird 1930s misogyny. Um, <laughs> Roller pin wife. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yes. Looney Tunes yeah, cartoon yeah. cliche wife. No, no respect. <laughs> exactly. 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 The tit. Yes. Uh, the I, I was going to say the titular no respect wife, but I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's about a man with like an overbearing wife and he starts claiming to see um, a unicorn in the garden and he starts doing like all this stuff to like try and like tame it or whatever. Um, and finally, his his wife gets like so f- fed up that uh she calls like a mental hospital to come and take him away and as soon as they get there um the the man like starts acting normal again and and his wife keeps insisting about like he was he, he said he was seeing unicorns it was the unicorn he's been driving me up the wall about the unicorn um <laughs> and then it it ends with the man um basically going like oh yeah she's been she's been talking about these unicorns for for weeks now and so the wife what winds up uh getting uh taken away um and it's it's like uh i, I don't know i i saw a um one of those like uh i forget it was like a, like a fritz freeling cartoon um but there there was like, like a famous like 60s or 70s cartoon adaptation of it but Suffice to I say, a I'm just imagining of genre. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like at the end, like the unicorn. As as soon as they pull off into the distance, the sirens sound. Uh, the sirens going off into the distance. The unicorn comes out of the shrubbery and is like, "So you did it, huh? Yeah." I think all that, I that is think- actually how the cartoon ends. I yeah, think I'm, the cartoon I'm- actually does end with like the unicorn uh, coming back out. Because yes, I agree that that's that's the perfect ending. Yes, it absolutely is. But also immediately made me think in uh, what's his name again? Jesus Christ, Shahobasan Za or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like you don't suppose he's fucking the unicorn, do you? <laughs> that that line keep, keeps popping up into my head, and it makes me laugh every time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so excited, Carlo. I'm so excited to get uh, for you to finish. Um, player of games so that we can discuss it in its fullness. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Well, 
that that's happening soon. soon. Yeah, yeah. I'm Very thinking, soon. yeah, pr- probably in the next couple of days, I'm guessing, right? Because that's uh, yep, pretty much, yeah. Because it's what on this, it's like, is it Sunday that we're finishing? Uh, I think so, recording yeah. Recording on that. All right. I believe so. Little peek behind the magic. Mm hmm. You're you're welcome is what what I should be saying. <laughs> um, everyone's everyone's always clamoring on the Discord. You know, we want to see behind the scenes. <laughs> where's Where's Carlo? Uh, anytime <laughs> that Carlo's not on the podcast, everyone should be asking, "Where's Carlo?" <laughs> Could you imagine? Anytime, even the guest is speaking, they should be asking, "Why isn't Carlo speaking?" <laughs> <laughs> Just be the car. It's me, the Carlo Show. So, <laughs> Chris, yep. what have you been watching or reading and enjoying lately? Uh, okay, so um, it was recently announced that like Disney had decided to pull um, two stories written and drawn by Don Rosa, the, the one of, one of the two classic um, like Scrooge McDuck uh, artists, Duck artists along Mm -hmm. with uh carl barks is the other most famous one uh but and they were pulling those two for um like i guess like sensitivity reasons um i i haven't read them but there was word that the the uh one volume was going to be going out of print because of that and i just could kind of grab it real quick just just to have it because it's you know I've, I've been meaning to get it and that brought it to my attention so got it and uh i've been reading that with uh, my daughter and uh, it's just been fantastic it's, it's like legitimately good adventure stories with really funny like you know one-line gags or hmm. or, or uh interesting characters like it, it's and the art is just gorgeous are you a um are, are you like a long-standing uh scrooge mcduck uh like you know di- Europe, European Disney comics uh, reader? I, I'm not, actually. You know what? Uh, when I wanted to start to get my daughter into, tra- uh, my daughter Teresa into comics, uh, I started grabbing um, my local comic book shop um, has like dollar bin comics of uh, some of those like reprint versions of like Donald Duck comics or, or Uncle Scrooge comics. So I, I bought a couple of those and that's where I first started reading them. And I was like, oh, this, some of these are pretty good. Uh, but this is the first time where I've like, I gotten one, like a collection deliberately, uh, you know, for duck comics and not like nice. out of the dollar bid. So yeah, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. And, and uh, it, uh, reading it then prompted my daughter to want to watch DuckTales. So we've been going through the original DuckTales right now. Have you, have you ever watched um, the, the more recent one that they did? Yeah, we watched a couple episodes. Uh, my daughter wasn't too interested, but I, I would have been fine with continuing. Circle back around. Yeah. Uh, when, when you get done with that, because I, I, I honestly thought that was a really good show um, and germane to, to this uh, audio space, um, there's actually like a couple like decent like sci-fi storylines in it. In, in, mm. in particular, they they get into like what um, what happened to uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie's mom. Oh yeah, uh, and and there's did you ever play the Nintendo um, the Ducktales game? Um, is that the one where he's like jumping on the moon? And yes, yes, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So they they pull a couple things from that game. Like, oh, like, wow. like and they use them for like very like touching references. It's it's uh very huh. surprising. I won't 
I, I won't spoil it in case you get to it, but for like a little kid's cartoon, uh, that's like a like a modern updated uh, uh, DuckTales cartoon. I was, yeah. I was impressed by it. It's, it's, it's good. Cool. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so, uh, Kurt, I, 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 you had shared something, uh, earlier, uh, something that you, you were like starting to read, I believe. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so I, uh, yesterday, um, I went over, uh, to the town on the other side of the river from me. And, um, while I was there, I stopped in at a used bookstore and record store and graphic novel store, as it turns out. And also like they also sell, sell coffee, uh, called lo-fi books in, uh, Burlington, New Jersey. And if you are in that vicinity, um, then, and you like old sci-fi paperbacks, then you should go to there because they have a really nice little, it's not like a massive collection of them, but it's just like, like literally I could have bought anything just picked randomly from those shelves. There wasn't a single book that didn't like intrigue me. Um, there was even like really old non Xanth Piers Anthony stuff. I was like, whoa, like I've uh, <laughs> stuff that like you just like you typically just don't even see around mm. even in like used books themselves. But anyway, um, I bought uh, two Roger Zelazny uh, novels. There's the eye of the cat and dream master, neither of which I have read um, and then I also bought the first E.E. Uh, e. Doc Smith Lensman um, mm -hmm. novel, which I've I've been meaning to read that. Read the um, I think there's a manga, and then I know that there's there's an anime that E.E. Um, e. Doc Smith himself was like in fury, <laughs> was like furious about the way that 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 they adapted it. Um, <clears throat> but then uh, I also picked um, so uh, Alfred Bester is um, he's. He's he's in constant contention along with Ian e M. Banks to be uh, my favorite sci-fi author. Um, although his you know his body of work is not is not exactly massive, but um, I saw a a hardcover version of um, his his third sci-fi novel, which was written in the early seventies, like twenty years after his two more famous ones um, came out. It's called The Computer Connection. Um, and it is fucking weird. <laughs> uh, that's, so. that's where you'll find us in the computer connection. <laughs> so as near as I can tell, the, the book is about a group of people who have become immortal, um, uh, so-called molecular men, they're, <laughs> they're, they're called, or mole men, and they have become immortal <laughs> by each going through some kind of experience where they were like an instant from death. And so their body gets confused and releases all of the death chemicals, but then they, they don't die. And instead something happens to rescue them. Um, and as a result, their body has no more death chemicals left. And so they can't die. Um, <laughs> is, and it's called the psycho galvanic change is what yeah. it's called. Yeah. Kurt, thanks for mentioning this. All I need to do now is just, you know, not have any death chemicals in my body. Exactly. Um, but, but the, the basic plot of it is about one of these immortals who um, has access to a time machine and he seems to be traveling around through different periods of time, finding um, like great artists or scientists or like, you know, writers or philosophers and 
putting them through like life or death ordeals <laughs> to, to, to try to make them immortal. So he has to like almost kill them and then save them. But he keeps messing up and is just killing everyone. So he's traveling through time. <laughs> Just killing all the great artists and writers. <laughs> you um, just, I mean, I'm sorry, Kurt. You, you, while you were explaining that, all I could do imagine is like him going back in time and doing like the, you know, like they put the the, the prank where they push you and they grab you at the last. Oh, I saved your life, but but he, he just has slippery hands. He just kills him. So they fall so and- in the scene that I just um, read through. Uh, the, so his name, his name is. Um, uh, I think it's like Gaug or something or Guig. Oh, oh no, it's uh Guig because it's 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 a play on a nickname for him of like what is it Grand Grand Guignol? I don't know. I'm probably saying it wrong. Guignol. Mm, I, I, gotcha. I have no idea how it's pronounced. Um, because he he is the horror. Uh, mm. the, the the other immortals um, call him. So he's on the run from some kind of time cops, uh, and he has one of the other immortals send him into the past to hide from the cops. Um, and while he's there, he's given the mission to deliver two pounds of solid gold to um, a, a child poet who died in poverty and like uh, poisoned themselves with uh, arsenic. And so he's supposed to bring them two pounds of gold um, to prevent this child poet from killing themselves, but he gets there too late. Um, and then, and then he doesn't know what to do with like these giant gold ingots in like 18th century London. Um, and it's, it, it reads like a Michael Moorcock, like a Jerry Cornelius story, but mm. it's written by Alfred Bester, who was born in 1913 and won the first Hugo, <laughs> what, what the first Hugo Award. <laughs> so strange. <laughs> it, it becomes like a reverse heist. I got to unload this gold. Well, it's it's also fairly offensive. Uh, <laughs> it, it must mm. be said. Um, there are some real deci- – so uh, in the future – different languages have all merged together but the result oh, is that yeah. on almost every page um alfred bester is writing in some kind of a, like different offensive eye dialect mm. <laughs> um but like different like combinations of different offensive ones you know we, um, we were we were joking about the uh the the you know william gibson writing new slurs for <laughs> for a previous episode but yeah no he really is he, <laughs> really, he really is, is. doing it um because, like, for for instance, he's in an era of time when the dominant language is Black Spanglish, uh, and so <laughs> he is doing both a very stereotypical, like Mexican American kind of like patois, uh, and he's also doing like offensive, um, like AAVE. Uh, I, it's not, it's not, it's not great. <laughs> that aspect yeah. of it, I must say, is really not great. The, you know, the rest I, of it is very strange and interesting. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty okay with reading his his work and not ever reading an interview <laughs> that asks him what he thinks about the Puerto Ricans mm-hmm. moving in, you know. <laughs> so who yeah. knows? Uh, because he he did end up living like in Manhattan, right? He uh he was born I think and grew up in Manhattan and lived there for most of his life and was like a he was like a he was like a TV writer um mm. a lot of the time and he worked as like a magazine editor and a TV writer. And he actually wrote for a ton of like 19, like shitty 1940s, 
like sci-fi adventure radio uh like serials mm. so he'd he'd write for, for someone called like tim tomorrow space <laughs> cadet you know and he he wrote 170 episodes of that or something um so pro- probably he probably wrote a bunch of shit that like my dad was listening to <laughs> I'll, I'll say that um you know, I, I think you had asked me ages ago if I'd ever read Bestern, and, and honestly, Kurt, I, I didn't know it at the time, but I had, and uh, I revisited uh, the story that I read, which was run in probably as a reprint in Omni Magazine. I'm going to guess that you know Ellen Datlow was, you know, while she was editor there, uh, reprinted it or whatever. But it was uh, Galatea Galante, the Perfect Popsy. Oh yeah, I I have not read that one, but that was I think that was one of his latter like his like mm-hmm. later short stories because I think I think that one only came out in the seventies or like the late seventies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and, and it, it, I remember like going like wow, that was like one of those moments where um, it was one of my uh, science teachers. She she had like a, a stack of of mm-hmm. Omni magazines and she handed me a couple. And said, you know, if you've, if, whenever you're finished reading that, come back and I'll, I'll give you another. And uh, that was like one of those stories that I read, and I was like, it, it really opened up like my eyes to what you could do with writing mm-hmm. to a certain extent. I mean, I, I think by then I had already read like Lord of the Rings, but this was like science fiction, like it's it's like a weird, uh, you know, basically he's he's writing about the ability to make chimeras uh, and bring back like mythical creatures through like genetic manipulation. Mm. And uh, I revisited it and uh, yeah, it's, it's fairly offensive. There's lots of (laughs) (laughs) Um, his it's, it's funny because he's a, he's a weird guy. Um, And I, so I'm going to, I'm going to paste a link into the chat here, uh, which is a picture of uh, Mr. Bester, uh, young Mr. Bester, and then old Mr. Bester, and never have I seen a more like mm-hmm. <laughs> different eras of science fiction side by side. This is uh, this is uh, this is Don Draper and retired Don Draper. <laughs> yeah, he looks. I mean, it, yeah. he doesn't. He doesn't really look like Don Draper. He he looks like. Um, he looks like he could have been like Anton LaVey's cousin. Yes, yes. I was going to say he looks like a like a weird Satanist in the first yes. one, and in the second or, or, one, or like a stage magician that's like a supervillain, you know. Yes. And in the second one, he looks like um, like a deep sea captain. Mm. <laughs> he looks, yeah, like, yeah, he looks like Cousteau contemporary. Or yeah, or like uh, like Quinn from Jaws is uh, mm-hmm. you know <laughs> rival or something, you know. Anyway, so so he um I. I have only recently started uh, learning more about him, like like as a person beyond like the bare abstracts. And I found a biography of him from like the early '80s that I was reading, and it was very enjoyable. Um, he wrote a uh, he wrote a uh, a review column in um, I forget what sci fi magazine it was. It may it may have been FSF actually hmm. um, in like the mid '60s, and he he would just go on these constant angry screeds about uh how much he hated hard science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, wow. Okay. I'm sure that made him really popular, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, re- he- reviewers reviewers in, in SFF are, are always, unless they're, they're, they're glad handlers, <laughs> are always viewed with lots of suspicion. He... He and Damon Knight apparently like detested each other. <laughs> I can imagine. So, um, but yeah, so that's that's what I've been uh, that's what I've been reading, and you know, it's it is it is strange. Like, it, and it really, I, I think it, it kind of proves true this idea that Alfred Bestard, in a way, was kind of like like a almost like a new wave writer before the new wave existed because. Mm-hmm. Reading something that he wrote in the seventies, like if you told me that this was like a Michael Moorcock B side, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that that seems plausible. <laughs> um, yeah. But then, uh, have I been have I been watching any any sci fi recently? I know that I w- oh well, so I I started rewatching this is sci fi, but I started rewatching the nineteen ninety seven uh, Berserk anime um, mm. for the first time since I read the manga. Because um, I watched it back in like probably like 2005 or 2004 or something. I feel like I was still in college um, and I enjoyed it. And then, you know, I only read the manga last year and I was worried that like I would like it a lot less um, having read the manga. And I actually like it. even I actually like it like way more mm-hmm. um, like it, it It reinforces in my mind that it's a it's a very good adaptation. Um, it's just a just a good it's just a good show in general. It's di- It's different. It's weird. It's something where like you watch it and you're like, wow, I'd like to watch some other things like that. There just isn't, there's just, there's nothing, <laughs> there's, there's nothing comparable to it. I can see that. Oh, that reminds me. I, I, I do have something I watched that I want to talk about if I may. Um, no, sorry? you may not, Chris. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola has been on a run of re-editing some of his uh, lesser known works. Like he did a re-edit of the Cotton Club called the Cotton Club Encore. He did um, a re-edit of Godfather Part 3 and released that as a separate release. Yeah. Hmm. He called it um, the Godfather Code, I believe is what it's called now. And it's um, supposedly a lot of scenes uh, significantly changed around. Uh, but the one I'm talking about is uh, one I watched was um, his re-edit of the movie Twixt. Uh, it's it's now titled Betwixt Now and Sunrise. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So the, and this is a brand new cut just came out, I think, either this week or last week. Um, and I so and I have not I don't know if you guys have seen the original or not. No. Uh, yeah, it's it was like it, if I remember correctly, at the time it came out, it was seen as like a big like joke and everybody was like Coppola's lost it um, because it was it's really heavily reliant on um, it's, it's, it's 2011, I think, is when it originally came out. And um, so it's like heavily relying on on some CGI that's a little wonky, and it has you know maybe a, a star who's a little past his prime in Val Kilmer, and uh, like it's just it, it has at times a a garish like uh, a you know aesthetic of like dark really contrasty colors, and and it hmm. just yeah it, it, it's and it's something like you but anyway so it, it was really kind of like. Um, you know, dismissed on, on hand as soon as it came out. Uh, but now with this edit, uh, it, it, I, I thought it worked like gangbusters. It, it, it's, 
yes, you can see Coppola struggling with the budget limitations. Like he's clearly not working with budgets he's used to doing. So he's stuck with like lower tier CGI. He's stuck with like limited locations. So there's a lot of green screen work. Um, but he le- but I think he effectively leans into it and weaponizes it and makes it um, interesting aesthetically because he almost turns some of the shots into like uh, like diorama or like uh, you, you know real like um, kind of like you know like a Brechtian distancing effect you know like really uh, highlighting the artifice um, and uh, it, it, I think it really works and and there's a, the scores provided by Dan Deacon. Uh, so it's it's just re- this really awesome score. It, it, it just uh, and Val Kilmer, I, I must say, is pretty sleepy for most of it. But then <clears throat> he does really come alive at the end and really delivers a, a, a very tender performance that I that really touched me. Mm. Yeah. So betwixt now, uh, now and sunrise, not the most easily you know rolls off your tongue title. I gotta say. Well, I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, so if it, I, I just realized I didn't really describe the movie. The, the movie itself is kind of like a nightmare and waking dream about like creativity. And there's also kind of a murder mystery. And then somehow Edgar Allan Poe is there as well. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, just elevates anything. You know, he, like, he even shows up in, the, in an episode of Venture Brothers. Yes, yeah, hey, you're right. <laughs> I still, I still love that that line. I was like, I, I'm just waiting to get that guy in a headlock. <laughs> I cannot wait until that Venture Brothers movie comes out. I so I just sat back down and I and I heard get that guy in a headlock and I was like, I know, I know what this is. It's like a pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I I cannot wait. Um, I. I have to say i i am due a venture brothers full rewatch because i watched the first two seasons probably like seven times each mm. uh when i was in college because we just like i i feel like it was um i this would have been probably in like 2005 or so and i feel like binge culture was just like becoming a thing um and my roommates and I would just sit around at our shitty apartment and just like watch and rewatch like Venture Brothers and like a, like a particular group of like seven or eight movies of which I remember two of them were like um, uh, Creepshow, mm. the, uh, the, the George Romero uh, like horror anthology. Um, and then uh, and then th- and then that. Um, the first two seasons of Adventure Brothers, but um, I've never actually gone back and rewatched any of the later seasons. I've watched all of them. I've just never actually rewatched any. I, 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 it's it's weird because I think I dropped off like after was it season six? Yeah, there was a couple like low points, but I have to say the last two seasons I actually thought were quite good. Well, yeah, I think that mm-hmm. that's the thing. I, 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 I want to then probably um, do a rewatch from the beginning as well, and uh, and because I, I do feel like um, it's it's difficult to gauge, you know, when they were coming out because they were like so. <laughs> 
spaced yeah. out between mm-hmm. like two and three years between you're like wait what happened again yeah yeah I, I mean i started watching the venture brothers when i was still in college like yeah. it was like sophomore year of college like it's unbelievable i mean the the i think that what's also sort of interesting here is that they were able to dictate you know sort of like their terms yeah yeah um and keep it going and keep mm-hmm. it going, and and the writing only got better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it, and and you know what? I have to say that's one thing where I'm not ashamed to admit. To admit there was a period in my life where I felt I would just felt very lonely, um, and I would listen to the Venture Brothers like commentaries, um, mm-hmm. and because the energy on them is just so positive. That like even if it's not like it's 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 just like listening to just like a really funny conversation between like two like really funny and, and, and interesting people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like endless like stories, riffs, like they're, they're very good commentaries, at least on those uh, mm. first two seasons. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, we should probably, I don't even know how to, uh, how to really tackle it because it's like, what is it now? Eight seasons all told something like that. Eight seasons and like three or four specials. I think yeah. that's true. I mean, if we wanted to do that, and I honestly, I I do, but it's also like, how? <laughs> yeah, no, we 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 could call it no venture. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and do it. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it, it it is funny though, as as you guys were saying, like how much that show changed throughout the run. Like the first, the first, and the final season have like. The the first if you showed it side by side with like an episode from the final season, I feel like someone would assume it was like a pilot episode, like mm-hmm. you know that like never got the series, yeah, because um, it's so vastly different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, the production values and everything like that, but also like the first season is very strange, um, in part mm-hmm. because it, it that's one of those things where I was like I. I came away from watching that first season sort of in, very interested. I, I was like, yeah, I'll watch this, but it's, it's just, <laughs> is, is it just like a Johnny quest riff? What, yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. They really, they really go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They really go with it. And then I think it's second and, and mo and third season and on just becomes its own thing. It, it feels, it, you know, what it feel, reminds me of, Kurt. Um, it reminds me of the first couple of books, uh, uh, the Discworld books, where Pratchett's yeah, still, yes, yes. still leaning on the the mm-hmm. like on the different properties and and settings and stuff. Like he's not saying it that you know this is Fafford and the Grey Mouser, but they're standing on the outskirts, and one's a giant barbarian, <laughs> and the other's a, a lithe, uh, you know, sort of Italian looking dude or olive skin dude or whatever. It's yeah, it's rougher than the Green Mouser. They just have different names. Uh, uh, hot take: right. This is just a drive-by hot take. Is I actually, in some ways, think that those early Discworld books, uh, rough though they are, are are some of the most inventive and interesting parts of of uh, Discworld. But I digress. Venture I, Brothers. I mean, I, I if I may drive by in the opposite direction and say <laughs> I agree. <laughs> in part because he's he's uh, he's using constraint the constraints of that. It's it's like he's doing a little dance through different like five different well, uh, uh, fantasy 
properties, right? Well, what, what's what's fascinating is that it's not just a parody. He also is bringing in like genuinely interesting original ideas of his own, um, mm-hmm. and just kind of like and and I mean, if they're pulled from somewhere, they're not things that I have encountered or have frequently encountered. Um, so, like for instance, in the first, I want to say it's Sourcery maybe um mm-hmm. is like the first one where you get like a really good look at like the wizard's college mm-hmm. and um he comes up with this whole system of like there's like different warring like secret orders and they all have like a specific number um and that's that's also when um in, in that era of discworld like wizards couldn't say, I, I think they couldn't say the number um Eight, I think it is, oh, or maybe it's magic, seven. I, the I, I, magic because, number. Um, I know that eight is like the number of magic um, in uh, Discworld, um, and because so, it's the eighth eighth color too. The yes, octarine. yes, exactly. Yes, yes, octarine. Yes, and like that's another genuinely interesting like little thing that he just kind of like throws in there. And the less the later books have less of that kind of like weird, you know, seventies fantasy stuff to them. Mm-hmm. I can see that, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, uh, yeah. Like, I, I think you're, you're right in that. Yeah, generally speaking. Um, Chris, have, have you read any, any of the Discworld books? I have not. I, I completely missed them for some, for some reason. I think that, um, it, it depends the sort of books that Tressa likes. Um, mm-hmm. but I read one of, uh, one of the young adult Discworld books, uh, to Kayla, my older daughter, um. A year or two ago, and she enjoyed it a lot. Uh, mm. It was what one of the the Tiffany Aching um, books, which are ba- basically about like a like an apprentice witch um, mm. who lives kind of like out in like the sticks in kind of like a shepherd country. Yeah, um, and I, she becomes sounds... kind of like a like a traveling witch who goes around helping people. Oh, cool! Yeah, it sounds interesting. It, it's she. My daughter's recently gotten into the Hilda comics, so I oh, think nice. that's yeah. Cool. I think I think that it might be up her alley then. I I really like those comics. Um, I have to say though, it's tricky reading graphic novels um, to to kids. Uh, I guess I guess she's probably old enough to be able to follow along pretty well her herself if if not outright read it. Oh yeah, yeah. She she's fully reading. Um, uh, she used I used to have to like take my pink. My, I used to have to point at what uh, panel I was reading from. Mm-hmm. That's what she wanted me to do. So, uh, so she could follow along with the the story. I, you know, Kay, Kay, Kayla can can read quite well now, but I don't think she's she's read a graphic novel since actually learning how to read. Um, mm. She that was probably a good thing to introduce her to. Yeah, uh, because I think she would really take off with that. It's it's funny. Um, there was a graphic novel that she really desperately wanted to read for for a while um and i would read it to her and she would really struggle to understand what was going on Mm. it's a romance manga uh Mm. like like a high school romance manga called i think it's called like secret kiss or something and it's (laughs) very it's it's that it's of that very kind of like super high melodrama Mm -hmm. like 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 teen yeah teen romance where it's like oh you know um it's like the the unpopular girl catches the attention of the guy who is like the leader of the coolest group of kids in, you know, like, <laughs> like, uh, in the high school, oh, um, the, 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 the TTRPG gamers, yes, right? Exactly. <laughs> yes, precisely. Yes. Playing, playing in their dark dungeons. Um, 
but it was really hard to explain to her what was going on because it's set it was set in like a Japanese high school and so there's mm. all these like cultural differences that she's never seen before mm-hmm. and like I only kind of understand like she was asking about like why they all like w- what are the rules of, of like about the uniforms like how come mm. some of them are wearing them and, and some of them aren't I'm like honestly mm-hmm. I, I don't know I don't yeah. know I have no idea how this works oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah yeah uh, yeah, that 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 sounds that sounds that sounds yeah difficult. <laughs> it it is funny. Like my kids and and Chris's kid are are probably are about the age where like they start noticing things and asking like really incite like incisive like adult questions about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and like like observing like how you operate. Uh, like my my older daughter said something to me about like a phrase that that I always say when I really mean no. Um <laughs> and I was like uh, like like I think I said like well let's you know like let's talk about it later and she said like oh so that means no and I was like oh damn she caught me. <laughs> <laughs> she caught on god damn it. <laughs> but they do the same thing with like movies and books and just like general ideas. Um and and it's it's interesting when you encounter something in like a piece of media, especially like sci-fi or like fantasy or or, or like some, something that's like a has like cultural baggage to it, and you're like mm. trying to explain like and and also that like the not all of it makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um. So, oh, I I forgot to mention I got um, I got uh also got. Uh, part of a kickstarter um have any of you um heard about delta green yes 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 Yes. okay okay cool yeah so uh i guess the arc dreams llc people uh did like a re a reprinting uh and and sort of modernizing of the uh delta green books and uh just got the, the the big source book um uh, the other day, it's 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 lovely. It's nice. got so much artwork, nice. and it's like super. It it really, um, Kurt. This is gonna because I think you you had mentioned uh, perhaps offline. I don't remember if you mentioned it in another uh, episode, but um, it it there's like little details, like the end papers are just basically print out like a a printout of a letter, like a a journal journaled letter uh in, in like dot matrix from a general oh, that's and it, awesome. it, it gives me like these uh illuminatus type vibes right because like there's see the secret con- conspiracy like uh apparently reagan sold us out to the alien grace mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know great. what i believe it i believe that <laughs> if if anyone would do it it would be him or thatcher oh they they would yeah uh, oh do d- you want to you want to buy real estate here? Sure thing. <laughs> we'll deregulate the fuck out of everything. <laughs> and I know, I know that Alan Moore would uh, would have my back on that. <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? Uh, oh, oh, earlier that you just reminded me, Kurt. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about uh, about the molecular men in the Bester thing was like, <laughs> is this? Did, mm-hmm. did Moore read this and come up with Doc Manhattan? <laughs> Oh, um, no, I, mean, I, I, I don't know. It, you I'm know just what? Saying. Honestly, it could be. Um, I mean, like uh, Michael Moorcock and Alan Moore were are 
I'm, I'm not sure if they are now, but there was a period where they were they were good buds, um, and commented on on each other's work uh, extensively. Hmm. So it could be, could yeah. be getting you know find you know reading Bester either independently or or through Moorcock could be. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Anyway, it's just just one of those connections that I mean it could have happened like independently because honestly like. If if someone were disintegrated and were able to reintegrate his body by will alone, that they, I would probably say, yeah, that's pretty close to God. <laughs> um, um, I, anyway, go ahead. Oh, I was I was going to say I have been th- I I have been foolishly thinking about re rewatching Babylon Five recently, <laughs> even though I watched it only about a year ago. Um, and I don't know if I will, but like I kind of want to. I don't know. Um, I, uh, I I have been kind of trying out different. Like I, I really want to get into some kind of like a sci-fi or fantasy show apart mm-hmm. from Severance, which like I'm you know I'm like wrapping up now. Um, and I haven't. I, I've I've just bounced off of off of a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, like I couldn't even tell you the titles of them. I just like saw them in like a. In like a streaming service, I was like, "I'll check this out." And I went, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> was one of those the Trump versus the Illuminati? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds interesting at the very least. <laughs> if, if not was... agreeable, then, then at least unusual, <laughs> surprising. Perhaps I, I watched like about twenty minutes of it. It is ridiculous. Uh, he, he's he's uh, they they bring back a clone of Trump. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and like, like I, I don't know the the year three thousand something. I don't know, man. It is, it is wild. It is so wild that I don't even remember the details. It's like, yeah, okay. Wait, what? <laughs> and all um, this is just basically bad, like somewhat, uh, you know, like pretty bad CGI. I so uh, it's it's not exactly it's not a uh, it's it's not a Trump film. Uh, or anything of, of that nature, but it is a politically unusual film that sounds just as bad uh, and just as uh, equivalently budgeted. Um, I was watching a film on Tubi, uh, of course, called China Salesman, hmm. um, also called Deadly Contract and Tribal Warfare, which is a 2017 uh, Chinese action film um, that uh, stars uh, for at least part of its runtime as Mike, uh, Mike Tyson and Steven Seagal. Um, and remember this is Mike Tyson and Steven Seagal in 2017 so they are they are neither of them I'd say Mike Tyson is closer to his prime but neither of them let's say in their prime Um, and it has some of the worst but most inventive editing I have ever seen to make it appear as if Steven Seagal is fighting Mike Tyson and you have to remember Steven Seagal does not move in his films and he looks like he looks tired man I have to I'll be perfectly real. He looks rather tired. Um, and they're trying to make it like credibly look like he's fighting Mike Tyson. And there's, there's, there's like shots where they have a back shot of like a rear shot of a stunt man who very, very visibly is, is built nothing like Steven Seagal. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like a guy in his maybe mid thirties um, who's like fairly svelte. And wearing like you know dressed like Steven Seagal, but very clearly is not from his profile. <laughs> Steven Seagal, <laughs> don't make me walk over there. That's that's the thing. It's such a weird 
combination <laughs> because Mike Tyson basically like has like delivers his lines with with just like a loud affect. He basically just <laughs> shouts all of his lines with with no particular emoting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Steven Seagal is like aggressively mumbling. So when they're interacting, it's completely incoherent and and baffling. Like it's mm-hmm. like. You you have no clear what the emotional context of what Mike Tyson is saying. Steven Seagal, you have only the emotional context because you can't understand his motherfucking words. <laughs> it sounds it sounds amazing. They're they're like they're like mercenaries or like of spies or something in um like somewhere in like Central Africa. It's it was it was incoherent. <laughs> much, no. like, much like Seagal's dialogue, incoherent. Snatch every single one of your motherfucking birthdays. <laughs> Come over here, put your motherfucking face right in my hand. <laughs> there, look, I dragged you. Anyway, so um, yeah. Uh, what else? I I picked up. Disco Elysium again. Uh, mm. I, I, I mean, just resuming from where I had left mm. off. I'm not like trying to restart it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, I'm already on day three, motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I have, else? I, I have yet to play Disco Elysium. I, I have been saving it because I hmm. know that I will really like it. And some things that I know that I will really like, I like intentionally set to the side. Um, and oh, then yeah, like, yeah. like, I don't put them on a list. I don't think like, I, I don't, I don't set a reminder to read them. I, I just like send them back out into the world knowing that, you know, at some later date when I'm desperate for something to watch or read, it will come back to me and then I will, I will have a good time. Uh, Berserk was, was like that. Um, uh, for instance. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, gents, are you guys ready? Are you guys excited? The Nebula Ballads mm. out. Mm-hmm. I saw that. I saw the short fiction slate. Um, <laughs> I was I was very excited that uh, Susan Palumbo was was back on. Um, with, mm-hmm. uh, yes. I, what was the name of, the, of her story? Uh, uh, Duen or something. Duen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I have not read it. I am excited to do so. Um, mm-hmm. So I I am I am looking forward to presumptively enjoying that that uh, story. Yeah, I, I I do actually think that uh, that may be the only story on the short fiction ballot that I have not read. Mm. Um, not because of any anything wrong, just simply also may telling, have been simply telling simply, that it's telling that it's the one most likely to be good is the one that you haven't read. Yes, <laughs> you've well, read all you the know, ones that you're certain are bad. <laughs> well, you know. It's 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 much like uh, what is it the, the definition of porn right? I know it when I see it. That's a bad story, man. <laughs> uh, so so like you, Kurt, I was saving that one simply. Is it? Ah, it's yes. Susan. It's Susan. She'll 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 do me right. <laughs> um, I have seen some of the other. I I I don't think I even I uh I want to say I I read. I think I read Rabbit Tests. That was mm-hmm. on the that was on the yep. ballot, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think I read Rabbit Test. I don't. I I don't believe I read DIY. I forget the other one. I think there's another one on there. Uh, that Destiny I have read. Delayed, uh, uh, which is the Ogunichovoy one. one. Um, 
you'd think I have this like etched in my brain by now. I've looked at it enough. Well, we'll have we'll, we'll have a whole episode to figure that yes, out. Yes, it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, so uh that that's that's forthcoming, folks. Yes. Forthcoming. Um, Cuz when <laughs> what are the nebulas? Uh it says here Hold up. How to vote? See, that's that's the thing. I I can never get the timing right. I I don't it really does not I don't know. Maybe I'm just a bad a bad author. May 12th to sense. 14th. Ah, okay. Well, in that case, we 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 can we can read those ahead of time and mm-hmm. and so on. Oh, uh oh, Dick Pig is also on there, which is a, Oh, a, yes, yes. That I think, was good. I think I read that. I do believe that I read that. Yes. Is that in uh Nightmare of the Dark or something? Yep. Nightmare Magazine. Nightmare. Okay, that's what I thought. I believe I did, I did read that. Oh, and Give Me English by Ai Jiang, um, which I have not read. I, I think I have it somewhere, but I just I haven't read it yet. Anyway, it'll it'll be fun. We may have some guests coming back to talk about these wonderful stories. <laughs> oh, um, I I have the uh the J.G. Ballard short story that 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 I read oh. uh, that I was referring to about the Tower of Pisa. It's called The Dying Fall. Uh, and if you search for it, it is uh, if you search for J.G. Ballard. Uh, Leaning Tower of Pisa, or you search for J.G. Ballard, <laughs> The Dying Fall, you will find it in uh, The Guardian. Apparently, it was reprinted in. I'm not sure what it was originally hmm. uh, published Interesting. in. Um, not long. It's only... I, it's, if it's... I, if it's... Uh, it's, you know, 700 words if it's one. You know? mm-hmm. like, yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, I, it, that's that's one of the things I'm noticing. It's like, a lot of his, uh, a lot of his stories don't yeah, they're not very long. Uh, I think the the one of the stories that's in that collection that I mentioned is uh, is the one that got adapted into the uh, I think it was the second season of uh, Love, Death, and Robots. The oh. di- the drowning the the drowned giant mm. uh, was like the end the ending uh, episode out of the season, which was really honestly for th- for them was a smart move. I I have I still have not watched any. Love, death, and robots. I always said love, death, or robots. <laughs> you have to pick. <laughs> One must go. <laughs> death, obviously. Yes. <laughs> well, that's that's you use the uh, the the love and the and the robots to to take out all your death chemicals. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> it's it's funny because I I have the the, the times that I most am most likely to watch. Uh, that show are when I am deep in some like rabbit hole of like weird sixties and seventies, like foreign cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and every time I've thought about it, I'm like, I feel too confident that this is going to like disappoint me somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I, I haven't had the nerve uh, mm. to, to, to watch it, to be perfectly honest. I, I mean, keep, like, chickening out. <laughs> like on, honestly, Kurt, you're not you're you're not necessarily wrong. Uh, I think to its benefit, however, like none of them last much more than you know, like ten minutes. So, mm. so you know, you, you're generally speaking, if it's just doesn't really do it for you, you just sort of like eh, grind your teeth a little bit, or mm-hmm. just go ahead and doesn't matter. You know what I have been thinking about rewatching is uh, Spine of Night. Um, mm. Yes. 
that's that still a rewatch. I think we should uh, we should re- we should reach out to those guys and uh, get them back on for an episode because they uh, I bet I bet there's some animation uh, films, uh, some, well, some well, weird yeah. sci fi films that they would have some interesting opinions on. Yes, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, it, uh, I forget which of the two, but one, uh, you know, like they work, they work on on the Love, Death, and Robots as well. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah, uh, I think that's Galen Morgan, yeah. Galen Morgan King, I believe. I believe. Well, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. In any case, um, nice guys, nice guys, and a good movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, uh, we we did we did interview them for uh, after we watched Spine of Night. Which yes, that's that's why I was saying nice guys. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> because they were nice enough to come on. <laughs> yes, they were very nice. Um, but anyway, uh, what what was I going to say? Oh, I was going to say, uh, I guess we should probably wind down. Yeah, I'm uh, going to go. Uh, I think I think I'm going to go for a long run, and then I think I'm going to watch some more Berserk. Uh, go some, for it. Some Watching the struggles of uh, Mr. Guts, Mr. Guts Berserk, um, <laughs> after some struggles of my own. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, uh, gents, um, Chris, did you have anything you wanted to close out with? Uh, read uh, Uncle Scrooge comics. Uncle Scrooge McDuck right, comics. Yeah. We should do. We, we should. We should find some way to do some kind of Ducktales thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, that's, that's Carlo, I have I have a weird closing thought. Uh, it's actually kind of like a closing insult, I, I guess. Um, so I had avoided listening to the Grimes song Player of Games um, intentionally because I wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, <laughs> and, and because I know that it is about the E.N.M. Banks novel at some level because both Grimes and uh, Mr. Musk um, have have praised that novel in particular. Um and I knew that Grimes had a song about it, uh, and I had avoided it. And then it came on my Spotify shuffle after playing some song that my daughter asked me to play. Uh, and it is not a good song. It's bad. <laughs> it's a bad song. So that's that's my that's my closing thought: is uh, keep your keep your dirty mitts uh, off of Mr. Ian M. Banks um, with with your weird politics and and <laughs> I like a lot of Grimes's music, but this was not good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I can't say. I, I think I when when Grimes became, I became aware of Grimes uh, when she was dating uh, Elon Musk. Uh, I, I listened to a bunch of. It's like, oh, that's that's very pleasant sounding. Her Don't early music me. is is a lot more interesting and is a lot better. Interesting, because uh, I think that I came away going like. Okay, that's. I guess that's nice, but I, I don't don't ask me to hum a few bars of it because I have no clue what what yeah. it was. It went straight through me. Much like Alestra does. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I never, I never suffered from Alestra. Um, anyway, uh, I think that that should be it. I don't have any ex- specific thoughts to end with. So, go ahead. All right. Well, in any case, thanks to everyone listening in. We'll catch you next time here on Podside. Oh